0: This podcast is brought to you by Not-So-Pretty Litter. You may have heard of our sister company, the more attractive litter option for your cute little cats and dogs. But have you ever seen how much a reindeer poops? How about a four and a half foot rabbit with anal anxiety? Well, with Not-So-Pretty Litter, you may never have to see it. Our patented nanobot litter technology quickly covers and deodorizes whatever doo-doo your large animals do. Not-So-Pretty Litter is available in four scents. Merry Mistletoe, Forest Rain, Cherry, and bacon so there's a scent that anyone would love to come home to and right now not so pretty litter is giving you a chance to receive 12 percent off using the promo code santa maybe so take control of your home yard or pasture's odor with not so pretty litter not so pretty litter is not a real company's intended for satire
1: This program contains talk about criminal activity and may paint a not so flattering picture of one of your childhood heroes. It even includes a few cuss words and may not be appropriate for your young'uns, so you might want to earmuff them or send them outside to play. Thanks for listening. This is an ear cult production in association with classbox media and crawlspace media. Santa may be a criminal presents the Easter bunny unmasked. This is episode two, the skip DB Cooper has a voice. After discovering the D.B. Cooper treasure trove of evidence at the Easter Bunny's hole, I finally felt really excited about a movie night. After all, Bradley fixed my VCR to review Ruthie Barker Guest's tapes, and now I had something else of evidentiary value to review. The Easter Bunny tapes. So, I cracked open a beer. Then I studied the paper labels on the outside of the cassette. A handwritten one read, Prologue. A smaller label off to the side read, Conversion Date, December 27th, 2017. I blew the dust from the crusty cassette and popped it into the VCR. Then, I let her rip.
2: Hello? I'm Dan Bob Cooper. Today is September 24th, 1971. I just bought this camera, so I hope I'm using it correctly, but... Yeah... I guess this film is sort of a a confession? Confession. Confession? Um, maybe a a compulsion. Maybe. Uh, is that why I'm doing it? Uh, Because I'm not quite sure who's in control. I mean, all I want is for a better life for me, you know? And for this guy.
1: Okay. I have to explain something real fast. This was very obviously filmed on 60 mm I took a couple of film classes when I was in school. At the corner of the frame, down in the bottom of the screen, I can also see a small tape recorder. That means that Cooper, or someone, took the time to sync sound and picture. And he almost got it right. But he's about 15 frames off on sound, which is just enough to make this look like a bad, overdubbed foreign language film. Either way, Shooting this recording separately and then attempting to sync it up? That's a lot of work. So, this must mean something to him. In the frame, Cooper's just leaned over and picked up a small black rabbit, even though it looks like your regular run-of-the-mill hare, When his eye catches the lens, I can see. It's not just any rabbit. It's EB. But what's confusing is, well, at least at this moment, He's just a regular old rabbit.
2: There, there, little guy. You got a big life ahead of you.
1: My question is, how did a normal old black rabbit turn into the basket-bearing, quick-shitting bunny that we saw during the interrogation? How did he transform into the animal, or dare I say, alleged monster that clearly had the means, the motive, and the opportunity to run down Ruthie Barker Guest? Cooper kisses the bunny and looks into the lens
2: This is Edwin Barney Cooper My pops calls me DB for short So I'll call him EB (laughs) That makes it easy Because there is a plan for this guy Now now they'll they'll call me a basket case (laughs) Won't they little man (laughs) Uh, But I'm not I'm not. See, I've got it all figured out. I already worked out the particulars with the big man himself. Santa Claus. All
1: lanes lead back to old Saint Nick.
2: He's already given his his A O K on this project. You know why? Well, this little one? He's going to become...
1: D.B. Cooper picks up the rabbit and strokes his black fur.
2: Hang on. I need a light.
1: Then he walks off camera for a moment. I can hear some rummaging, and he comes back with a cigarette and a box of matches.
2: He's gonna be the Easter Bunny. (laughs) I mean it. I mean it. You probably think I'm joking. You probably think I am pulling your leg, but you see... My plan is to change all this.
1: He references the room he's in. There's nothing much to describe about it, which means there's everything to change. The walls are eggshell white. No pictures. No crucifixes. It's just... bare. But, after a moment, he turns the camera to a corner of the room and trains it on a dried-out Christmas tree. Still decorated with ornaments... And a sad-looking star up top. One star. Let's see, we need five stars to keep this podcast growing. So why don't you go over to your listening app and give us five stars and even write a review. That'd be awesome. Thanks.
2: You see this? This is about to change. I've spent my entire life on the nice list. Buttoned-up shirt, tie, just-so hair, combed neatly with the right amount of pomade... And I've gotten lots of great things from Santa. Things, things lots of kids my age didn't get, and I'm grateful for that. You're damn right I am, but... It seems like the older I get, the less I get. And there's just something missing. I can relate. I still live here in this shitty apartment next door to a shitty person. I'm still stuck in a shitty job working for a shitty company I think is morally bankrupting America. And the shitty Cubs, the Cubs, they still can't win it all. I doubt they ever will.
1: (sighs) While I'm a Braves fan and hate the Cubs, I really kind of hope he survived all this and lived to see the Cubs win the series.
2: But this plan, my plan, makes everything better. And shockingly, (laughs) Santa, he approves it. (sighs) Every year. The letters it gets, they're longer and longer and longer with the toys that the kiddos want. Supply just can't meet demand right now. His sleigh can only go so fast and hold so much. But that's where my little buddy over here comes in. See, it all started when I noticed a gigantic gulf between the GDP around Christmas time compared to Easter time. It was clear that Easter Bunny had lost a step or two with the times and he'd gotten fat and happy on his on his honey glazed carrots or his own chocolate eggs and I recognized it was time for change so Santa Santa handed me his whereabouts <laughs> awful pretty place in the southwest if I ever get a chance to wash my collar there I'll do it. Anyhow, anyhow, I I hunted the Easter Bunny. I snuffed him out. (laughs) Matter of fact, I took this as a trophy.
1: DB lifts EB up by the collar. The hare squirms a moment before his owner puts him down.
2: It was his bracelet. (laughs) Wait, what? What's that? Shh. It's okay. Oh, this tape? No, the police nor the media can get a hold of this. It blows the whole water, and the whole thing. Now, to be honest, I don't even know who who I'm I'm making it for. Wait, wait, yes, I do. God damn it, I'm I'm making it for you, ain't I? <laughs> Edwin Barney Cooper. Edwin Barney E. B. Easter Bunny. Easter Bunny. Ha ha ha! If you're interested in where I took out the old Easter Bunny...
1: I should stop here and interject a little. The man in front of me resembles the famous composite sketch that the flight crew worked with police on. But that sketch was of the man that Mr. Cooper was previously describing. Well-kempt, hair combed, suit and tie. Clearly on the nice list. The man here now? Well... He has the same facial structure, the same slightly elongated forehead. He holds his lips the same way. But his hair is askew and it doesn't look like he's shaved for days. I'm still waiting on him to get to the confession of the skyjacking. But this video, it seems more like a rant. Like he's on something a little more than just booze and cigarettes. I also still have the question, how does the little bunny we see here... Edwin Barney, or whatever his name is, become the four and a half foot tall creature that me and Sheriff Dewberry interviewed. All in due time, I hope.
2: What I knew I had to do was I had to have a plan.
1: At this point, he reaches down and pulls out a worn map. He points to a place almost caught in a weathered crease of the paper.
2: I went here.
1: Where's here, you ask? DB tells us after the break. Hey, y'all. I wanted to take a quick minute to share the trailer for a podcast sort of in the same vein as my show. I mean, it's a unique take on true crime, sort of satirical, but a hell of a lot of fun. It's called Seriously Sinister, and you seriously need to listen. Amanda and Trevin talk about petty crimes, and their chemistry is just off the charts. You gotta check it out, Let's take a listen
0: to the trailer. He frantically looked around the back seat for something to soak up the two beers he had consumed earlier that evening, but found nothing. That is when a second idea formed in David's mind. He quickly and aggressively ripped out the crotch of his underwear and shoved the cloth deep into his mouth. As he began to chew he felt a huge sense of defeat there was no way he would be able to stomach that butt cloth he had partied in all.
1: didn't that story just shake you to the core
0: would you like to hear more
1: then you've come to the right place i'm trevin
0: and i'm amanda
1: and we're the hosts of seriously sinister a true petty crime podcast
0: Each week, we take a dramatic dive into real-life petty crimes.
1: They may make you laugh or cry, but they won't be like any other true crime
0: stories you've heard. Follow Seriously Sinister wherever you listen to your podcasts.
2: I drove through miles and miles of sand and scrub to this little white house in the middle of nowhere. Sissy Moreno's Rodent Farm, in truth or consequences, New Mexico. (laughs) Oh, shit. I wasn't going to tell you where, but the irony is almost too delicious. (laughs) Okay, so there I was met with a big hug by Sissy and her sister Sassy. Now, Sissy and Sassy sent me to suss out the situation in their back pen. (laughs) I know what you're wondering. What situation? Well, that would be which rabbit, hare, bunny would be the next one to carry the torch, to be the bearer of the baskets, to be, you know, the Easter Bunny. Now, in my mind, I'd always imagined him as a little white guy with a pink nose and tail that wingled and puffed whenever he was touched. I mean, that's what the previous fella had been. But that wasn't right at all. It wasn't working. He had to be everything, that bunny. <laughs> and to be fair, everything that I wasn't. A rule breaker, a ball buster, a guy that could really hack it in the streets. Because what if, what if he were to ever be caught? He'd need to fight to maintain the secret, fight to maintain our secret. So I went outside to the pen and I have to tell you. It really came down to splitting hairs. (laughs) It was between the cutest bunny you ever saw and this rough and tumble black standoffish creature. When I leaned down and asked the little guy how he was doing, he immediately shit out like three perfectly shaped eggs. (laughs) And I looked at Sissy and Sassy and they just said, that's what he does. And suddenly he bit my finger and that's when I knew he was the one. He was the only rabbit that could survive in this uh, owl eat rabbit world. <laughs> in the meantime, my entrepreneurial brain was working. Chocolate eggs were a thing already, but what if they were real? I had to get out of New Mexico. The heat and dry were making me think crazy things. <laughs> Sissy and Sassy offered to crate him, but. I'd have no such thing done. He didn't deserve a cage. None of us do. He was riding up front like me, free.
1: Y'all, I feel like I'm looking at some sort of historic tape, like this should be in the Smithsonian or something. But I also know that if I give this over to the authorities, number one, I'll lose access to it. And number two, they won't believe it's really even D.B. Cooper. I mean, they've got enough current and recent cold cases they're trying to solve. I think we have to just accept we'll probably never know where D.B. slash Dan Bob Cooper ended up. And I'm okay with that. Suddenly, there's an obvious edit in the tape, and then D.B. returns to the screen. He's much mellower now.
2: Uh, Hi again, friend. Sorry for the jump in time.
1: There's definitely been a jump in time, though it's difficult to figure out how much...
2: Uh, today is October 24th, 1971.
1: Okay, it's been one month. Same drill as before. Badly sings picture and sound, but at least this time he's clean shaven. His hair is combed, his shirt is pressed, and he's wearing a tie. His eyes look clear and perhaps even with a twinkle.
2: I've had the most amazing month. Well, except for one tiny, well, okay, major hiccup. I'll get to that. See, after our last visit on this tape, I traveled to the North Pole. Now, I had already sent Santa a letter asking for some Christmas magic to make my plan come through.
1: Evie hops across a long counter behind him. It honestly looks like he's munching on a mistletoe, but hard to tell from this distance.
2: I sat down with Santa and Mrs. Claus. She's a sweetheart. Her name is Mary.
1: Wait, Mary? this Claw's name isn't Mary, it's Karen. Unless Santa was married before. Or did D.B. Cooper just forget her name? They are similar. Huh. Something to put up on the Claw's Crime HQ wall.
2: They welcomed me into their home with open arms. Mayor P. Pattenod even offered me the key to the city.
1: P. Pattenod? The key to the city? But they said only two other Americans than me had ever received it. Will Farrell and Andre Agassi.
2: But apparently he caught wind of my full plan and decided I was no longer worthy of the key to the city. I guess someone's been reading my diary. It doesn't matter. I have enough keys. See? Anyhow, Mayor P. Patnaud did give me a nice tour of the North Pole on the way to Santa's house.
1: Has Mayor P. Patnaud any relation to P.P.? Father, maybe? I mean, they have to be related. That's so weird. This is all so weird.
2: I even got this stuff right here from some elves.
1: He holds up a hand-rolled joint. I recognize his shape. The look. And when he lights it... The smoke. Elf and tobacco. He inhales it and I can feel the sensation through my frontal cortex. The good stuff. He savors the smoke a moment before he continues.
2: Maybe that's why the key thing doesn't bother me. Anyhow, I toured the workshop. The elves seem happy. (laughs)
1: things have changed there DB holds up a small burlap sack
2: Santa uh, says that this will do the trick back there with you know who
1: he nods his head back toward EB
2: you don't know about my next step in my plan do you (laughs) okay so let me fill you in on the other steps You see, on my flight back into the States after visiting the North Pole, by the way, traveling there is hard. No shit. There are no direct flights.
1: Unless you gotta slay in some reindeer.
2: I stopped into the Big Apple to see a few advertising agencies and pitch an idea for a new advertising campaign for Cadbury chocolate. The little guy's egg-shaped shits gave me the idea. And they liked the pitch, but wanted a white bunny. Ugh. And then I flew back here.
1: DB takes another long took of the joint and looks at the camera. He sighs.
2: On the final leg back here, I knew what I needed to do. After I sprinkled the Christmas magic over EB here. Now, <laughs> you see, planes, they aren't all that secure. I bet I can get a whole sackful of money if I just hijack one. I figure if I leave this guy at the Holy Cross Church across town, they'll keep an eye on him, and so, well...
1: D.B. pours the contents of the satchel into his hand. What rolls out appear to be three small lumps of... coal? D.B. grabs a hammer from off-screen and crushes the coal with it. All the while, E.B. hops along the countertop behind him. D.B. blows the crushed grains out of his hand onto the bunny. At first, there seems to be no reaction. Then... EB convulses and rolls off the counter onto the floor. DB rushes over to the camera and pulls it off of the tripod, then turns the lens down to the floor. There, EB is already three times the size he was. Holy moly. Did I just witness the creation of the Easter Bunny? DB turns the camera back to his face and, with a wild look in his eyes, says,
2: Happy Easter! <laughs>
1: Next time on Santa, maybe a criminal. I break into a hole in the ground to do my own investigation of the Easter Bunny's hole. I have a hunch this DB Cooper link isn't just a coincidence. Also, I learn of another potential suspect in RBG's death. Is someone we've talked about before? And we catch up with Detective Strong to learn why she's been a wall the last few weeks. <laughs> Santa maybe a criminal was conceived in the back of a Boeing 727 aircraft on a pile of $200,000 by Jason Ustry, Rebecca Sebastian, Shiloh Katniss, Scott Musgrove, Michelle Kasuba, and a few other rogue elves. Music and sound effects licensed by paying through the nose to multiple royalty free providers, not the least of which are Epidemic Sound, Motion Array, and Soundstrike. Additional musical contributions at Slay by Captain Fat Hands. To check out the cast for this episode as well as their other projects, visit the show notes and check out Santamaby.com. Santa may be a criminal is an ear cult production presented in association with the Crawlspace Media Network. Special thanks to our new partners, Glassbox Media, who have come on to lend their wizardry to gather more ears for the show and overall enhance our brand. The show is written by Jason Usry and hosted by Richie Buck. Editing support by Dick Buck. Sound design by Ricardo Buck. Show art by Richard Buck III. Thanks, and until next time, be nice.
3: Hello, it's Nick from the True Crime Garage podcast here to tell you about the Porchlight Project. The Porchlight Project is a nonprofit organization that offers support for families of the missing and murdered. We specialize in funding new DNA testing and genetic genealogy for cold cases. We also offer victims' families renewed media attention to tell their story and investigative services free of charge. With the help of our many proud donors, we have assisted in solving a 1987 cold case homicide, and we followed that up by identifying unknown remains from 1881. We are currently working to identify male remains found in a barrel in Cleveland in 1969 and a Jane Doe found in 1980. To learn more or to make a donation, please visit us at porchlightonline.org. Thank you.